Thank you, Miss Dayton. That was beautiful. Now, if you guys remember the schedule, the way it was, Ruben was actually supposed to be up here tonight. He actually decided to go to the Bahamas this week. I don't know what that's about, and he's actually surfing on some waves, having a good old times. But no, really, let's uh, be praying together that he uh, feels better and gets back here as quickly as possible. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. John 15, and we'll begin by looking at verse number 1. Verse number 1, and as you turn there, let me ask you, has there ever been a time that uh, something just didn't turn out like it was expected to do, right? Just, just happens sometimes in life, right? Imagine with me, you're going to the drive-thru, and you have been craving this large fry. Yes, salty, crispy, awesome goodness. And then you drive away from that window, and you open that bag, and you look at that fry, and it's just whoop, barely cooked. Doesn't even look like it's been through the fryer. And that little bit of expectation, it destroys you. you. You cry a little bit. If you're like me, you cry a little bit. Or maybe, um, let's say you plan a vacation. You're really excited about it, like Reuben in the Bahamas. You're excited, you plan everything, and you're ready to go, and then one disaster after the other, it's ruined, and you can't wait to get home. I remember um, looking on Facebook a few months ago, and I saw a post by Amy Payne. And uh, she bought herself, and I don't know if it was for her, her kids, I really don't know, but it was supposed to be a realistic baby doll. The description said this, 22-inch cute realistic baby doll, and it was for a pretty reasonable price. And anybody, if you look at that picture, it was actually looking like a real baby. You can't beat that. Anybody in their sane mind would be like, oh yeah, I need to get me one of those. And so she did. Right? About a month later, it comes, and she's super excited. Anybody that knows Amy, right? She's really pumped. She's excited. She open, she's jumping up and down. She's opening up this box, and it was a kind of maybe a baby doll. I don't know. It had a deflated head. It didn't, wasn't the size that it was wanting, and it was just really a let down, right? Expectations. They're often affected by the amount of work that we put into them. For instance, raise your hand if you like roses, right? Anybody? Okay. Men, this is Valentine's Day. Do uh, take note of that, all right, roses. But did you know that it takes six to eight hours of sunlight for a bushel of roses to actually uh, properly produce flowers? It also needs about uh, two to three times a day of somebody going around and sprit uh, is it spritting, spritting, spritzing, spritzing, spritzing the, the roses and making it all, you know, Watering the roses, okay? That's the proper word, watering the roses, all right? And then you also have to make sure that you shield it, okay? You got to make sure you're shielding it so it doesn't get too hot, and then all of a sudden the roses are gone, right? Because you have this expectation of beautiful bushel of roses. And so people do that. They spend hours at a time. People who work in the greenhouses, they, th that's their job, to make sure that this happens. You know, in fact... Even the easiest plant in the world to grow requires work. How many of you guys know what a chia pet is? Right? That's right. I know you guys. Bunch of weirdos in here. Okay? You get that uh, clay head, and it has those rows, and you put the seeds and the gel, and then you water. But even that needs some sunlight. Right? And you'd have to rotate that head around to make sure all the rows get touched. And then you also have to spritz it. All right, you got to water it with some water to make sure that it grows, right? Because anything that is expected to grow needs work. You cannot just let a plant abide 
and expect it to produce something. If it's not taken care of, it will not produce fruit and it will wither and it will die. Anything that is meant to grow needs work. And the same is true of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. God has a specific design. He has a specific goal in mind for each and every one of us. And so that requires some work. It requires work from us, primarily. So this, the question is, on this Valentine's Day, have your relationships with others and God been neglected? Now, I'm not saying they're dead, but I'm saying they're just sitting there. Maybe they're not producing fruit like they should. Tonight, we are going to see that God wants us to have a thriving love for each other. Look with me now at John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I loved you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, Ultimately, we thank you so much for your love for us. That, Lord, although we are unworthy, although we are vile, Lord, and we have messed up so many times, you have chosen to love us. And, Lord, I pray that you just fill us with your spirit tonight. Help us to learn about you, Lord, and be convicted and to be changed, not leave this place without knowing you and to be abiding in you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we look at this chapter, we are now back in the upper room where Jesus is speaking to his disciples before he is going to be betrayed. Specifically, chapter 5, Jesus is giving us a picture of what it would take to have a thriving relationship with him and others. He explains in verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye might have my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. See, the key to understanding what he is talking about and why he's saying what he's saying is he's leaving. He's leaving his disciples, his closest companions that he's been with for the last three years, and he's leaving them for the sole purpose is he loves them. Because he loves them and because he knows what they're going to face in the days ahead, the hard times, the journey that's ahead of them, he tells them, listen, I'm going to be with you. You need to abide in me. You can't go through these days alone because I have an expectation for you and it's going to be magnificent. He says in verse 5, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Verse number 2, 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. This is what it's all about. We have to be abiding in Jesus Christ. That, that's the goal. That is our expectation as Christians. We need to be in him and his words abiding in us. And if that's the case, we are going to be producing. We're going to be thriving. We are going to have so much fruit that we're sharing it with other people. But if not, then our God needs to purge and to clean up some things in our life. And so we are going to look at some areas in our lives that we just need to examine and say, God, is this an area that I need to purge? God, is this an area that I need to clean up? And so we are going to look at four areas tonight. The first is this, our confession. Our confession. Do you realize that we all make mistakes? I know I said it. Right? We make mistakes. I make mistakes. Sometimes we like to paint ourselves in this picture like we're some superhuman, right? That we're in, uh, impervious to temptations. We're impervious to falling. But those thoughts go directly against what the Bible teaches. In fact, Proverbs 24, 16 says this, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. It's not that we don't fall, but it's when we do fall, we get back up. When we would, I would love to say, listen, I don't make mistakes. I would love to say I don't make mistakes in my, my relationships, my, my marriage, uh, my decision making. I would love to say I don't make mistakes in my walk with the Lord. But I can't say that. And if we're honest with ourselves, we would examine ourselves and our marriages and our relationships and our walk with the Lord. And we'd say, you know what? I've made mistakes. And I would venture to say some of us haven't made those things right. Maybe it was a response to a spouse in anger. Maybe it was um, some impatience towards a coworker, so we lashed out at him. Maybe it was a specific sin keeping us from serving the Lord. Regardless of what it is, we need to, as Christians, to make it right. I, I use this illustration a lot with uh, the high school students when we're talking about being in line with God, to have a heart after God. See, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, but why? Right? He messed up so many times, right? But I would say it's not because he didn't mess up. It was because when he did mess up, David made things right. We have two examples in scriptures of some kings that made mistakes. Well, actually, several kings, but I'm going to talk about two tonight. David, okay? He's going against God's word. He is now at his palace instead of being in the army where he's supposed to be. He's up on his roof, and he sees a woman bathing, and so he takes her, commits fornication with her. She becomes pregnant. And so instead of making it right, he then tries to hide it and cover it up with the, the husband. When he's not compliant, he then murders the husband. So we have disobedience, we have lying, we have fornication, we have murder. Four major things we're looking at and we're like, what in the world is going on, David? And then for nine months, David is living in this sin, hasn't confessed it. It was not until he was confronted by the prophet where he... Okay, listen here. He doesn't make excuses for himself. He doesn't say, well, you don't know. That woman enticed me, God. You don't understand. I was tired and I had to stay at the, that, the palace. You don't understand that Uriah just wouldn't comply. He didn't say any of that. When he was confronted with his sin, he said, between thee and thee only have I sinned. He fell on his face and he cried out to God and he got things right. Saul, another king. Right before David. 
Saul was commanded to wipe out entire city, an entire nation. He was to leave nothing left. But one day, he comes back after giving that order, and a prophet comes to him and says, what, what's, that, uh, what's that sound I hear? Sounds like some sheep in the background. And Saul, when he's confronted with the sin, what does he do? Does he say, yeah, I'm sorry, I messed up. I, I, I didn't listen to what God said. No. He said, well, you see, the, the people that God gave me, they, they just want to listen. And because he was not willing to get things right with God, because he was not willing to confess his sins and move on, he lost his entire kingdom. His sons were never able to rule. He never had that relationship with God once again, and he died miserable. One king, right, disobeyed. When we would say, okay, Saul just disobeyed God. Well, that's not a major thing. David disobeyed, lied, committed fornication, and murdered. In our minds, we'd like, well, David messed up a lot more. But the difference is this. David made it right. It's not about the mistakes made. It's about the heart of repentance. It's always been about the heart. We make mistakes, and we will make mistakes. But are we willing? What are we willing to do when we make them? And as we come to this holiday that is today, that is meant to celebrate relationships, are you willing to humble yourself and go to that person and make things right? Are you willing to humble yourself before God and make things right with Him? Because if we are wanting to have a thriving love, if we are wanting to produce fruit, with God. We have to make things right. The second area that we look at tonight is our actions. Our actions. Love is not simply something that just is. The expectation of love just doesn't happen. Love is always accompanied by action. You love someone, so you, bec you come before God and man, and you do what? You make vows. And in those vows, you don't say, I'm going to do nothing, right? That'd be crazy. You say, I'm going to love and I'm going to cherish that person through sickness and health, rich or poor, as long as we both shall live. Why? Because love is an action. But yet, sometimes we forget that. We have turned our marriages into something it's not and never intended to be. It's about ourselves. But think with me now. God, in his eternity past, knew of the chaos and the sin that man would put himself in. He saw the pain, he saw the bloodshed, he knew what was going to follow, and he saw his creation, what it would become without him intervening. And he could have just left us to our own destruction. He could have. He could have just destroyed us and wiped us all clean. And he completely justified in that. But somehow, however, because of his love for us, and the expectation of this beautiful creation. He had this goal in mind that we would one day live with him and love him and serve him and worship him. Jesus chose to humble himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. John 15, 9 says this, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It comes back to this, our motivation. Our motivation. Do we love others as Christ has loved us? Do we love our wives even as Christ has loved the church? Do we love Jesus Christ? Because if we did, right, then I think many of our relationships would be changed. 
I believe many of our marriages would be stronger and Christians would have a stronger impact across this world. So what aren't we doing? Are we talking to our spouse? Are we still cherishing them and, and loving them? Are we listening to them and respecting them? Do we do things around the house, not because we're hounded, because we want to? Do we do things because it's a special day, because we realize that they had a hard day, and so we're going to do a lot more things just to make them happy? Or do we just do what we want to do because it benefits us? Well, that's not what I want to do today, so it doesn't really matter. Same thing is true of God. Are, are we loving God? Are we serving Him? Are, are we talking to Him? Are we learning about Him? Are we giving to Him? Do we spend time with Him more than just three hours a week and expect our relationship with Him to grow? Because if that's the case, it will never grow. We ought to be willing to show our love to our spouse. We need to be willing to show our love to others. We need to show our love to Jesus Christ. And that sometimes means humbling ourselves and responding kindly to someone that's cruel to us. That means forgiving someone who's undeserving. That means crying out to Jesus on behalf of our enemies who are undeserving and pray for God to save their soul. See, we can talk a mean game sometimes, but until we are willing to do we will never see great things done for Jesus Christ. And in our relationships with God and man, we cannot just coast. We can't just tie our hands and sit in the pews and say, enough's enough. I'm just going to sit here until Jesus comes. That's never going to solve anything. We have to be willing to do. We have, must have a purpose, a goal in mind with our, our marriages, our relationships, our walk with the Lord. Because if we want a thriving love, a thriving relationship with God and man, we have to do. We have to do. The third area that we're going to look at tonight is our gratitude. Our gratitude. Believe it or not, many things in life that we have, we're not entitled to. Because we have lived in this country, honestly, uh, we have become really entitled to a lot. And there's a lot of people in other countries that do not have the same treatment and not have the same blessings. God has really, even though the craziness is going on, God has still blessed America. For how long, I don't know, but he has. And so because of that blessing that we have received, we've been kind of entitled, and that's messed up a lot of our thinking. And we are really not to think of ourselves and what we can get and what I can get more and more and more of. We need to be thinking of other people. And when we do receive a blessing from others, we need to be grateful for. But sadly, many times in our marriages, there's no gratitude. Thank you is, few, is heard fewer and fewer times as expectations of the other person becomes more and more. Do you want to kill a relationship, whether that's with a friend or a marriage or with God? Simply be ungrateful. So let me ask you, are you grateful for the sacrifice of your husband? The hours that he puts in to put food on the table? Are you grateful for your wife and how uh, juggle, she juggles work and the children and honestly just doesn't have the time to complain? Are you grateful for the little things that your, your spouse does to make things easier for you? Because honestly, uh, those things are supposed to be cherished because we don't know how long we have them. I believe the person in our lives that received the least amount of gratitude for what he's done for us is our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God has honestly just done so much for us. I just said it. He's, he's blessed this nation even though we're undeserving, he has blessed us so many times. James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, 
He provides for us. He gives us blessings. When we call upon him, he listens and he answers. And he says, listen, if you have anything, if you lack wisdom, ask of me and I'll give it to you. And the most important thing that God has ever done for us is that he gave himself. He died for us. But yet my mind goes to the account of Jesus and the ten lepers. All right, the ten lepers are living in a uh, little town off of the main society because they're quite literally living to die. But they heard that Jesus was walking by. And so these ten lepers come to Jesus and they ask him to make them whole. And Jesus commands them. He says, listen, I want you to go and show yourself to the priest who happens to be the only one that can restate them into society. And so they do it. They don't ask questions. They don't like, oh, well, maybe. No, they just, they go. And as they're walking, the fingers and the bits of their skin that they lost begun, become to come back. The, the sores and the numbness that's all over their body is restored. Everything that this disease had taken away from them comes back fourfold. fourfold. And yet, only one man, when he realizes what happens, he runs back to Jesus and he's grateful for it. And because of this, he gets a, a special second blessing. It's because this man, when he realized what God had done for him, he fell down on his face and he began to cry out and he praised God for his blessings. Would to God that we be filled with the same gratitude. Can you just think with me? Just think of a moment, this moment, of all the blessings that we have received because of Jesus Christ. The areas that in your past he's brought you through, the answers to prayers, those who are sick now healed, how he provided for you time and time again. And if we are wanting a thriving relationship, a thriving love with God and with man, we need to be grateful for all the blessings that he, give, he has given us. Amen. The last area that we're going to look at tonight, and then we'll be done, is our remembrance. Our remembrance. Do you remember what it was like to first be in love? I do, right? Love is a strange thing. It can make people do strange things and become really nasty, right? Ooey and gooey. Like you look at them and you're just cringy. You're like, oh, what, what's going on there, right? It can make people who are these macho men, right? Imagine with me a Marine, all right? He's giving orders. He's taking orders. He's seen death. He looked fear in the, in the face and he laughed at it. But yet when he gets close to that woman that he loves... He melts. Why? I don't know. Love makes you do crazy things, right? Love makes us do crazy things. And believe it or not, we tend to forget those great times and the great things that we have gone through. We forget those cherished memories, the tears that we cried, the journey that took us from where we are to where we were to where we are today. And sometimes it's not that um, until someone is gone really, that we really cherish that person or we think back and we're like oh man those were some great times i believe many marriages relationships our walk with the lord is hurt because we do not take time to remember we don't take time to remember why is it important to remember because i believe that our memories are able to take us back to those moments to take us back to the sense of reality that those events made us who we are today i remember that first date with betsy it was a cold night and we were watching a collegiate soccer game with our friends, and, we were being, and I was being goofy. That's just what happened. But that event took us to meeting her family, to an engagement, to a marriage ceremony, to the birth of a beautiful baby girl. And now we're serving here at, 
at the school and church. But there were hard times, right? Everybody has hard times. But when those hard times come, and they do, those things make us stronger. The Bible says this, knowing this, that the trying of our faith worketh, what? Patience. Now, I can imagine, right, Peter and all the hardships that he faced. Historians say that he was crucified upside down. He was beaten. He was in jail. But I can imagine as the times that he, he went through that he probably thought back to the times he was with Jesus Christ. That time maybe that he was walking on the water because Jesus was walking. He calls out to him and says, Savior, can I come out to you? And he says, yes. And he begins to walk on the water, but he gets fearful. So he looks away, and when he begins to sink, he sees Jesus reaching out his hand and lifting him back up again. I can imagine as those disciples who went out town to town preaching the gospel, changing the world, thought back many times to their adventures in learning and teachings of Jesus Christ. And probably one of the most amazing things that they thought about is what Jesus said, and lo, I'm with you always. When was the last time that we took time to remember what God has brought us through? When was the last time that you really considered his sacrifice? It was because of our sin that Jesus went to the cross, where he was stripped and beaten, mocked and shamed. He was nailed to a cross willingly because of you. He took all of the sin that man ever committed and ever would commit and became sin for us. The man who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? Simply because he loved you. For God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you, can you imagine that? The creator of this universe cared so much about us that he was willing to die, to give everything. Jesus in the, said in the upper room right before he would be betrayed, verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. God wants us to be abiding in him. He wants us to be keeping his commandments. He wants us to be producing fruit. So the question tonight is, what is it that needs to be purged? What is it that needs to be cleaned up? Is there a relationship of somebody uh, that needs to just be talked out and ask for forgiveness? Maybe there's something that you know is keeping you from serving the Lord. Maybe there's some, some sin in your life that you know you have to confess. Maybe you're just not grateful to God and you're not remembering His goodness. Whatever it may be, what to God that we would be so so caught up in his love that we would be willing to just purge and clean ourselves. So the question is, would you purge those things tonight? Every head bowed and every eye